Well, it's a little bit pedantic Reading journals like The Lancet Up to date and those medical reviews But here we're more about the antics Than being caught up in semantics So listen here for your pediatric news Hey everyone, welcome to Pedantic. I'm Sumit. Uh, I'm excited to announce this uh, three-part series on vaccinations in children, uh, specifically the COVID-19 vaccination in children. This right here is the first part of a three-part series on vaccines. The first part focusing on vaccine science with Dr. Moses Stockwell. The second part focusing on vaccine equity with uh, Dodie Meyer. And the third part, focusing on vaccinations in children with, with medical complexity with David Lakani. Today's episode uh, is part one. It's gonna focus on vaccine science. I'm joined by Melissa Stockwell, who is the co-chair for the COMC COVID-19 Vaccine Committee, uh, and also the co-PI for Columbia uh, Clinical Immunization Safety Assessment Center, as well as the chief of the division of child and adolescent health, also at Columbia. So Melissa, thank you so much for joining today. Um, I'm excited to hear your your thoughts and perspectives on uh, COVID-19 vaccination. So to start off, uh, can you give us a brief reminder of the types of SARS-CoV-2 vaccines that have received emergency use authorization from the FDA and how they kind of generally work? Sure. So we have currently three vaccines that have been um, approved in EUA. So two of them, um, Moderna and the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccines are mRNA vaccines. I think we've heard um, a lot about since those were both approved in, in December. Um, the third vaccine is from Johnson Johnson or Janssen, which is the same uh, company, but in different places in the world. Um, that uh, is acts a little bit differently. So that's an adenoviral vector vaccine, which the, that means is the, um, the vaccine encodes, it has DNA that encodes a spike protein, and that's kind of brought into the cell by this adenoviral vector. Um, that DNA in the cell then um, gets copied into mRNA, which then is the mRNA similar to the mRNA vaccine that make the spike protein. So you kind of think of it as starting a step back from the mRNA vaccines and then different because it has that adenoviral vector as a way to bring blood into the cell. Um, of interest, actually, the um, one of the Ebola vaccines that's uh, being used in Africa is made the same way. Very cool. So the Pfizer biotech vaccine is uh, emergency authorization for people 16 years and up. And there's been a lot of discussion now that we're kind of in a different, we've, we've, we've progressed in phases of vaccination through for all adults now. And so my question is, when do you expect that the vaccines will be authorized for use in children under 16 years? Yeah, so the first one that we expect to be approved in EUA is a Pfizer vaccine um, for 12 to 15 year olds. So they put in um, their application for EUA now a couple of weeks ago. And I think we've all been kind of just waiting for the day that they announce when there when there's going to be the um, the meeting to review it. Um, I think we've all been trying to read those tea leaves, and we're hoping that will be within the next few weeks, and hopefully within early May. Um, you know, uh, it took about three weeks for them to sort of go from application to review for the original Pfizer vaccine, and then you kind of you know they're sort of weighing now. Well, now it's not a new vaccine, but it's yet with children, so it's a little bit hard to to make the prediction of when that will be, but we all think it's gonna be pretty soon. 
um, the uh, at least information from the press release from Pfizer. Obviously, we don't have the the all the data FDA has um, really show it to be you know very effective and very safe, and so we um, would expect it to be approved. Moderna vaccines about a month behind the Pfizer vaccine, so they finished enrolling a month after um, Pfizer did. So I, we would, I think, expect in the next couple of weeks to for them to you know we'll have the first release of their data from their trial, um, and then I would imagine they would shortly thereafter also be um, asking for an EUA. They're currently at 18. We'd expect them to also you know go down to around 12. Um, and then the Johnson Johnson Janssen vaccine is. Um, their trials are happening a little bit later um, for, for their teens. Both Pfizer uh, and Moderna um, have uh, vaccines um, trials for younger kids as well. Uh, and so we would expect um, those to, those are kind of happening right now um, for the Pfizer vaccine uh, has already, uh, I believe has already started the two and up and then we'll have six months to 23 months um, you know, starting a little bit in the future. Um, and Moderna is also going to be doing, uh, is going to have a trial between six months to 11 years. Um, and the J&J vaccine will also extend down to younger ages. So the ultimate goal is for all three of the vaccines to um, have, vaccine manufacturers to have trials in kids six months and, and older. And so I would expect, hopefully, that um, we'll see vaccine for that 12, 15 year, year age group in the spring, um, you know, depending on how fast moment happens for the younger kids kind of going into the fall, winter in 2022, you know, I think we'll get progressively down <laughs> younger and younger until hopefully we have approval um, all the way down to six months. And, and that process has been, I mean, we started off with the vaccine trials for adults, uh, presumably because they are most likely to fall ill and die from the virus. And then kind of now we're doing the 12 to like the, the teenage groups and then doing younger groups. And do you think that approach was 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 right or should, should have been included from the beginning? How does it kind of match up to other vaccine trials in the past? Yeah, and there's been a lot of debate about this because on one hand, you know, first you, it's easy in retrospect looking back and sort of saying these have been very safe effective vaccines. So knowing that, you know, why didn't we start in kids Earlier, I think at the time, um, because they were, you know, newer vaccines, there was a sort of debate on do we have the, do the trials on adults first? I think there are a fair number of people, me included, that wish that they had done at least the smaller, like phase one, phase two trials earlier that could have gotten us to these trials in, in kids much, adolescents and younger kids much sooner. Um, so I think there could have been a happy medium between starting, you know, out enrolling kids and not um, and waiting so long to kind of get um, get the adolescents and, and kids in. Because I think, you know, I, we definitely um, here, I know you hear too, people saying, well, you know, it's not such a bad disease in children. You know, I think that's um, for many children that may be the case, but obviously there are, um, can be long-term effects. I, I know you've taken, you know, care of kids with Missy. And so, you know, that is, you know, um, can you know luckily we sort of know how to treat it now um for the most part but you know obviously that's a severe um, outcome from from infection you know i think that we are also now seeing more and more that um that teens and young adults are also at risk for you know the post-acute sequelae after coronavirus which used to be called long-haul covid and so kids aren't necessarily you know come come through um unscathed but then 
in addition, you know, we can't ever reach community immunity unless we vaccinate children, right? You know, they, you would need to get basically every adult vaccinated. And we know not all adults are getting vaccinated. Um, and so we really need vaccines for kids to primarily protect themselves and protect their families, but also as a community, um, you know, for us to really to put an end to this pandemic. Those are great points. Um, uh, and a good reminder is that even though kids are, are, are less frequently affected severely than adults, there still are some, some pretty significant long-term effects and, and the risk of Miss C is not insignificant by any means. And also, if we look at national numbers now, actually, the as more adults are getting vaccinated, the, the percent of infections that are in children is, keeps going up and up, right? Because mm. really, you know, ultimately, more, it's more of the pediatric population, the adult population who are um, at risk. Um, sorry. <laughs> then, um, in addition, um, uh, you know, in the hospital, right, we're seeing, you know, more young adults or those in the 30s, 40s, you know, who are the ones who are in the hospital. You know, so really, the, even the epidemiology demographics are changing a lot of who is getting infected, you know, and I think that's going to continue as, you know, things are opening up and kids are more back out in the community in a way they haven't been this past year. And that leads me to the next question, which is, is there's been a lot of discussion around, around mandatory vaccination in children um, and, and how that might play a part in, as you, as you mentioned, lean towards herd immunity, uh, community immunity uh, for, for the, against, against COVID-19. And just wondering what your thoughts were on that. I know it's still early to, to consider that, but um, you know, what were your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I think it's something I think we need to strongly consider and to discuss, you know, there is, um, you know, if we go back to flu, right, there's, there's been, a, you know, a push, you know, do we mandate flu vaccination in school? We did in New York City actually mandate it for daycare, you know, and, and pre-K, um, you know, and I hadn't quite got, we hadn't quite got to mandating it um, for children in school, but I think there were a lot of good reasons to, to think actually about mandating flu vaccine. I think there's similar reasons um, really to think strongly about whether we would want to do that. Um, you know, for the COVID-19 vaccine as well. I think, um, you know, I think our hope first is to get approved by the EUA, then get official FDA approval, you know, and then potentially, you know, I think the discussions um, about any you know, mandating vaccine. I think, you know, one of the hopes would also be that people will choose to get vaccinated, right? Will choose to want to have their children vaccinated. But we do know that um, vaccine mandates in school work, right? I mean, that's sometimes how we end up um, really making sure that we do have um, have coverage, and you know, we want to get back everybody to full time in person. You know, which a lot of schools are moving to now in the spring, but we want to get back to that. You know, without three feet distance and without masks, and we want to get back to our kids just being kids in school. And you know, I think one of the ways to get there would be vaccination, right? Like that would be the way to kind of be protecting the students and the teachers and the staff and you know, and get back to you know, whatever the new normal is going to be. Um, but, you know, I, I want kids to be kids again in school and, and you know, vaccination could be a really important part of that. Yeah. And then how do we do that? So how do we get the vaccines to kids? So there have been a lot of different models of, of vaccine delivery across the country, across the world. What do you think might work best uh, in terms of vaccinating kids? Yeah. I mean, I think in general, to me, it's sort of, Yes, 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 yes. Right. We're gonna try a ton, lots of different ways, and then families can decide what works best for them. So, you know, it, it, is it vaccinating in the schools? Like some families want that, some families want it from the doctor. You know, 
you know, um, do we have, you know, local pharmacies, you know, um, it had been really only vaccinating adults against flu, but this past you know, year or two, they've actually allowed vaccination down to much younger age groups, because for some families, it's really the convenience of being able to go to your local pharmacy. Um, I do think my, my hope is in the future that we move from multi-dose vaccine to single dose. And of course, I understand like this is manufactured this way for a lot of good reasons, but I think we're going to, um, we're working with our, you know, one hand tied behind our back with, you know, storage conditions that are, can be very strict, but also that everything, you know, say we're using Pfizer vaccine, because that's what obviously we're using now for the 16 and 17 year olds. Um, you know, everyone, patients have to be in groups of six, right? Because it's six doses per vial. Um, we can't just vaccinate in practice. I can't sort of see someone today and say, do you want to get vaccinated? Because do I have five other people who, um, you know, who are getting vaccinated the next, you know, six hours, so I don't waste that dose. Um, and so I think, you know, we really need to get to a place where we have these single dose vaccines, like just like we do with every other vaccine. So, you know, I can see, you know, you and your child today, I can offer it to you. And right there, you know, we give the vaccine, like we do every other vaccine, how we do flu vaccines, and we don't miss these opportunities to vaccinate. So to me, that's going to be the big game changer, you know, if and when we get to that point. Um, you know, until then, we have to be thinking of more of these group models, like whether it's, you know, certain days at a primary care site, or it's you know, in the community or at the schools, because you can sort of need to be bringing people in, um, in groups. Um, and then I think we just all have to work to get the message out there about vaccination and its, its importance and how it important is for the child and for their family and then for the community, um, you know, really to, to um, say before, you know, to put an end to, to this, to this pandemic. So um, I think we need every and all way that we can think of of having vaccine be available, um, as well as have people who are you know, able to answer questions that, that families might have. Well, we certainly um, faced challenges along the way in the past year plus. Um, we've, we've come a long way though also. And as we finish up here, I'm wondering if you have any any ending thoughts or messages of hope to, to pass along to the to listeners here about about vaccines, about COVID, particularly as it, as it relates to, to the care provided children. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think just to take a moment in this, this spring to, you know, be grateful that we actually have the vaccines. You know, if you had told me this time last year, um, you know, and you and I were in the thick of, of everything that, you know, we would have, you know, multiple vaccines that are very effective. Um, you know, I wouldn't have believed it. You know, it, 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 is, it is an extraordinary testament to science um, and to what we can achieve, you know, as a world, you know, really as a world um, to have this vaccine you know, vaccines be made and, and, and really um, capitalizing on a, on a deep history of vaccines, right? This wasn't out of nowhere. This was because we had, so people have done this for, you know, 50 years, many, you know, hundreds of, you know, years of, you know, go back. So, so um, I think that's a message of hope. I think now we have to really work together to get everybody vaccinated. And I say, you know, kind of for the listeners, you know, obviously for yourself, vaccinated your loved ones, your family members, you know, your children, your neighbors, your, you know, lean into those conversations. Um, you know, there's a lot of uh, misinformation out there, you know, and it's, it's hard for people. I think people, you know, want to make the right decision. And some of them just don't actually even know what that is because there's so much information out there, particularly on social media. So if you can be that trusted voice um, and 
ask people, you know, what are their questions? You know, don't don't just sort of dump all the data on them, but sort of say, okay, you know, I understand you might have some questions. Like, what are they? How can I help you? How can I share information with you? You know, it's, it's those one-on-one conversations I think are what's gonna hopefully change the tide. Um, you know, and hopefully, you know, we can all kind of come, again come together as a community and um, and protect ourselves and protect each other. And you know, I, I think I think we'll get there. I, I have hope. I, I choose to be hopeful this spring um, that we'll get there. I think that, that, that's a great way to leave it. I look forward to continue to, to to learn from you and work with you. You know, in the remaining time for this pandemic, to hopefully have all all, all kids vaccinated um, as soon as we can. Maybe this time next year, we can do a look back. Yeah, that's right. Where have we been in the past year? I'd be down for that. Well, thanks again, Melissa. Thanks for joining. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Now we'll hear from some of our listeners about why they chose to get the COVID-19 vaccine. Hi, I'm Monica. I come from a close-knit family of healthcare workers. Our whole family got vaccinated so we can spend weekends and holidays together again without putting each other or our parents at risk. My name's Hadley and I got my vaccine because science is amazing and is keeping me safe, but what I felt was more important was keeping my family safe, my older parents, um, and my patients in the hospital every day. My name's Dory, and I got the COVID vaccine to take one step towards resuming normal life so that we can all experience all the joys of friends, family, and celebrations again. Hi, my name's Rebecca, and I got my COVID vaccine because I need the pandemic to be over. I want my patients to be healthy. I want my daughter to be healthy. I want myself to be healthy. I did it for my friends, my family, and my community, and if we all get vaccinated, we can get out of this together. Thanks everyone for joining today. Please join us next episode for our, our second part in our viewpoint series. We'll be talking about vaccine equity with Dodie Meyer.